0: This is Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and you're listening to Episode 28. Hey guys, I hope you're having a great day. Hope you're in good spirits. If not, I hope this podcast will help you get there today. I value your time with me for this 30 or so minutes that you've chosen to spend listening to these words. I want them to encourage you, to bless you, to inspire you, to motivate you, but I also want them to challenge you and change you. And I take it seriously. And I'm so thankful that you've tuned in today. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I want you to find great value into this uh, podcast. And I want to be able to add value into your life through the words that I'm saying. We started last week talking about dealing with selfish ambition, how to deal with selfish ambition. We called it the ambition monster. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about some me monsters in our lives that we need to... To overcome and we can. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, who equips us, who empowers us to win in life. The ambition monster, that selfish ambition monster, is the monster that chases us. That's why we're always running. And it's not wrong to run after your goals and run after your dreams, but it's not healthy to pursue them in an unhealthy way. I want to get you on a track of healthy ambitious pursuits. You can pursue your dreams and goals with energy, with passion, with focus, but you don't have to do it in an unhealthy way. I don't want to see you crash and burn before you get there. And I don't want to see you cross a dotted finish line, something that's not meaningful in value. So many of us are chasing things that don't matter, that have to do with selfish ambitions and selfish dreams. And I want to help you. I've had to overcome some things in my life. And through my personal experiences, I want to get into your world and help you just to slow down a little bit and stop, turn around and say, what is chasing me? Why am I running so fast? Why am I crashing and burning? Why am I exhausted all the time? Why am I grumpy and irritable and angry and never satisfied in life? Guys, God does not want that for you. He wants you to discover peace and joy in every area of your life. I'm here to point you toward Jesus. He's the ultimate. He's the one and only. And if you run after Jesus and you follow Jesus, he's not going to lead you into things that destroy you. He's going to lead you into things that fulfill your life and bring you into the fullness of your destiny and the calling that he has on your life. So let's jump into it today. We're dealing with... Uh, Part two of how to deal with selfish ambition. So last time we were together, I shared a scripture out of Philippians chapter two, three through four. And I'm going to read it again. It's out of the New International Version. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, But each of you to the interests of the others and this is a this is an admonition it's a challenge it's an encouragement it's a warning it's meant to bless you and help you to get out of this inner turning inward to the to the selfish dreams and ambitions and passions that we have and focus on others if your vision and your passion and your dream isn't about helping others, then it will, it will not hold value and meaning. You won't, you won't be blessed by it. It'll be a constant sore spot in your life because you'll never ever be satisfied with your own selfish dreams. There's something about having a passion and a dream and a desire to help others that totally changes the perspective that you have. You know, uh, Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, this is a very interesting verse. There's something so powerful in it. I want you to catch Luke 11, 43 through 44. I'm reading from the English standard version. He says, woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seed in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing them. Wow, that should be something that opens up your eyes a little bit. Those who are craving fame and titles and public recognition and admiration and respect will never leave a true legacy. Some spend their whole life to be remembered, but sadly they die forgotten. That's that's what it means by unmarked graves. No one even knows who you are, what you did. How ironic is that? To spend your whole life going after these selfish pursuits of fame and money and fortune and popularity. And it, it says it in that verse there, woe to you Pharisees. That even could be you. That could be me. People that love the best seat. The one that's most recognized and getting greeted and giving autographs and signing books and all of that. Jesus said, whoa, whoa, slow down, horse. Whoa, horsey. For you're like unmarked graves. I don't want to be an unmarked grave. I want to be remembered, but not for me. I want to be remembered by somebody I helped along the way. Somebody's life I made better. And I've helped some people along in my life. They may not necessarily have remembered me, but I know that I was able to help push them along a little bit farther down the road. I don't want my grave to be unmarked. I heard a story one time of a man who said, when I die, I want you to put on my tombstone others. Others. Wow. What a testimony. I wish we could all be like that. You know, nobody who ever changed the world waited for an audience. You don't need to be famous to change the world. You don't need to be well-known to change the world. I want to change the world. But I think sometimes when some folks say it, is that we want to be recognized by the world. Success doesn't always mean that everybody knows you. You can be a very successful person and not be known. I want to teach you. I want to I want to inspire you not to run after things, after selfish ambition. So hard that you miss the whole point of what life is all about. You know, some people are so hungry to be famous and wealthy and, you know, it's all about image and it's all about popularity and it's all about being recognized and known and making yourself bigger than who you really are. You know, we, we want to do things in a healthy way. So today we're going to talk about seven truths about selfish ambition. Some things are going to really help you as you progress in life. If you can learn these seven things and kind of tuck them under your belt for the next season of your life, I really believe it's going to help you get a healthy perspective on on life and and achieving and accomplishing your goals and dreams in a healthy way. All right, so seven truths about selfish ambition. Number one, walk slowly through open doors. Walk slowly through open doors. You know, when God opens a door or when there's an open door of promotion or you know, opportunity, you need to walk slowly through it. Apply discretion and exercise some caution, some humility. Um, don't be paranoid. When God opens a door, walk through it with confidence, but but be cautious and humble. You know, because there, there are hungry dragons lurking on the other side of some doors that you will walk through. I, I like to say it like this. Do not meddle in the affairs of dragons, for you are crunchy and taste good with ketchup. <laughs> you know, just because you walk through an open door doesn't mean that there's not about three or four other people waiting on the other side of that door to to have you for lunch oh here comes the new guy here comes the little upstart look at him look at her we're gonna have them for lunch you know you need to walk slowly through open doors don't kick doors down don't try to kick man if a door is locked and you can't get through it time to stop knocking time to stop trying to get in that door that door is not for you Turn around, walk away, and ask God to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Quit trying to kick doors down that weren't met for you to go through. There's a fire-breathing dragon on the other side of that door ready to incinerate you. Be cautious. Walk slowly. Be humble. Thank the Lord when you get an open door. Don't think it was because of you. It was because of him. Again, selfish it's okay to go through open doors it's okay to knock on doors knock and it shall be opened you know sometimes we got to go after things and we have to have some gumption and grit to get through it not just the gift but you got to have the gumption and the grit at the same time but you want to walk slowly you want to be humble you want to ask the lord to lead you cautiously through open doors so number one walk slowly through open doors Number two, number two on this track of, of dealing with the ambition monster. Number two, God tests your motives more than anything on your pursuit and on your advancement and on your journey to accomplishing your goals and dreams. God will test your motives along the way. You know, you can't really hide selfish ambition. It will always surface. People are going to eventually discover that it's really all about you. You know, I've, I've met those people along the way that they make it look like it's about other people. But the more you get to know them, the more you discover they're really all about themselves. And so God's going to test your motives along the way. He's going to allow some some uh, things to hinder you. And you're going to run into some obstacles and some barriers and some things that are going to slow you down. And and a lot of times those aren't things that the devil puts there or people put there. Sometimes those are things that God purposely puts in the way to keep you from doing something destructive. Take Balaam and his donkey, for instance. The donkey kept veering off the road. The donkey kept taking the prophet Balaam and Balaam and trying to throw him off course and running into the bushes. And, and, and Balaam was like, what are you doing? And, and the donkey said, Hey, this is God, buddy. You, you can't you, go read the story if you don't know what I'm talking about. But Balaam was on his way to curse Israel and he was a false prophet. And God basically was trying to veer him off the road. And sometimes things will come in your life that aren't, aren't the devil. God's like, this is not good for you. I want to test your motive here. Why are you so hungry after this? And God will allow you to derail every now and then so that you will have a small accident as opposed to a big crash and burn at the end of the journey. So God's going to test your motives more than anything. Remember that when you're being tested, when you're being challenged, when people get in your way, when jealous people get in your way, when uh, envious people get in your way, sometimes God will put a brother or sister sandpaper in your pathway. God will put a brother or sister obstacle. God will put a brother or sister orange cone in your life to keep you from going certain directions. If you see a detour sign, if you see a stop sign, you need to stop. You need to stop. Don't keep running after things that are going to fulfill your selfish ambitions and then wind up crashed and burned at the end of the journey. Number three, don't get drunk on your own success. Mm, man, you know what, guys? I've been drunk on my own success. There was a season of my life as a young leader where things were going so well for me um, as a young worship leader. I was, people were coming up to me at the end of service and just telling me how great and how anointed it was and how awesome it was and how my life was blessing them and just talking about, man, you, you know, you should be so much farther ahead by now. You should be in the big time. You know, it's just a matter of time before people discover who you are. And man, I would just drink that stuff in, drink that stuff in. And I was getting drunk on it. And all the while at a certain period of my life, um in a young church plant i was a part of a young church plant and i was just constantly drinking in all these accolades and affirmation from people and i didn't see that the devil was conspiring around me with some jealous and envious people board members and elders and and people with validation problems of their own and and a and a, and a person was trying to get into the ministry and he had issues with his his marriage and his sexuality and he was trying to get validation from people in our team and and trying to work his way in and God was constantly warning me about this guy but I was so drunk on the success that I was experiencing that I didn't see the enemy conspiring to try to take it down and you know what guys it did it happened before long I I became trapped in the middle of a big elder war in, in, in this particular church. And, um, before long, I found myself having to resign and, uh, it was, it was bad. The, The whole experience was terrible. You can read a little bit more about it in my book called leader slips, um, learning and leading from failure. It's a powerful book. I tell the story in a little more detail about what happened. Um, but, The the point I'm trying to make is this. If you get drunk on your own success, then you're not going to be able to see the enemy winding up with the one-two punch to knock you out and take you down. You got to walk soberly. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. For the devil, your adversary is roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You can't take success with so much pride that you miss the possibilities of danger around you. You got to stay sober, celebrate it for a little while, but then move on to the next thing. Celebrate appropriately. Don't gloat in your success. Don't be drunk in your success. Walk humble before your Lord. Thank the Lord for success. Stay humble. You know, be cautious about it because you don't want to get drunk on your success because drunk people don't see that one, two punch coming. And before long, they wake up the next morning and wonder what, happened. So don't get drunk on your own success. Hey guys, I just want to break in here for a few minutes to remind you that if you're listening to this episode on Apple podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a review and then share it with one or two other people in your life that need to hear what you're hearing today. Um, Dealing with selfish ambition is challenging And I'm providing some thoughts and some wisdom to some ways that I've had to encounter it over the years and get through it and learn how to overcome it and surrender it to the Lord. And uh, so let's jump back into the second half of this episode and then I'll come back at the end with a few closing comments. Number four. Don't despise the small places. You know, selfishly ambitious people don't like small time. They want to get to the big time. And they can never focus on their current assignment because they're always looking for something bigger, better, more exposure, more popular, more money, more fame, more prestige. But I. I'm going to say something you've probably heard before, but if you're too big to stand on the small stage, then you're too small to stand on the big stage. Saul's problem, 1 Samuel 15 and 17, Saul, King Saul's problem was that he was not small in his eyes anymore. He was too big in his own eyes, and that was his failure. Instead of staying humble, instead of staying cautious, instead of following the Lord slowly and carefully, Again, I, I don't become paranoid in this journey. Don't be fearful of things that could possibly happen, but walk softly, walk slowly, and don't despise the small place. That's what we're talking about right now. Embrace the small place. If God puts you there, there's something for you to discover. And yeah, it might be dry and it might be remote and you might have some location frustration and some vocation frustration. You might be out there in the middle of nowhere, man, guys, I, there've been some times in my life where I was in small churches and small places and desolate places and oppressed places. And I was like, oh, I just, I just hated here, but God was doing such a good work in me. Don't miss it. Don't let the seasons of your life bypass you. Embrace it. God has you there for a reason. And you're going to learn some things that you wouldn't learn anywhere else. I believe that God will help you learn from the faces, places, and spaces in your life. The people, the locations, and the span of time that you wait. Faces, places, and spaces. But embrace those places. God, be, appreciate, don't devalue the people. There's people around you that you're despising. Don't despise those people that are there. Oh, wow, these people are just, and, and, and if these people could see what I'm really made of and I just got to get out of here. And man, those kind of things will rob you of the joy of the moments that God has you. Don't despise those small places. They're doing a greater work in you than you can ever imagine. They're putting some, some substance in your life. They're causing you to be real. You know, guys, don't be plastic along the way. God wants to make you a real person so he'll put you in a real place. Don't allow yourself to miss what God is doing right now in that small place. Stop and say, God, don't let me despise where you've put me. This is a special time in your life and, and God wants you to see some wonderful things that you could only discover in the wilderness experiences of your life. So don't despise the small place. Number five. Don't believe your own press reports. Don't believe your own press reports. You can read them and you can listen to them. But you don't have to believe them. Because there's going to be one of two things that happen when you get press reports. And when I mean press reports. I mean comments on your YouTube channel. Social media comments. I mean you can read through some of the most famous people's comments especially politicians. And it's a mixture of, of just flat out evil. And, you know, there's a lot of what I call baby rump kissing going on. (laughs) If you don't know where I got that phrase from, I got it from Dennis the menace. You parents out there will understand what I'm saying. Um, Margaret, who is one of the little friends of Dennis, um, forces a little boy to kiss the the butt of a baby doll that she has. And then she later on in the movie calls him a baby rump kisser. It's one of the funniest movies you'll ever see such an endearing m- movie. Walter Matthau was genius in this film, but that's what we are sometimes with people. We're baby rump kissers and there's people out there that are just kissing your rear end. If I can just make it as plain as I can Um, You'll see that on on social media. You'll see that. And then you'll see people just slandering the most evil and vile things that you could imagine. And that's what I call press reports. It's what people are saying about you. And I'm encouraging you now, as you pursue the goals and the dreams that God has called you to, don't believe your own press reports. Don't sit around and read them and take them in because one of two things is gonna happen. When you see the negative things that people are gonna say about you, you're going to come, become very discouraged and defeated, and you're going to want to quit. That's why I say don't believe them. Now, I'm not saying to avoid them. Sometimes we need to see what people are thinking because there's some truth in what people have to say. Don't avoid all your critics and don't run away and hide in a corner and do what you want to do and not listen to what's going on out there. We got to gauge. We got to get, get some response from people, the negative and the positive, but you got to be mature enough to handle the good and the bad because if you, if you take in all the bad, it's going to discourage you and defeat you if you believe it. And if you believe all the good things and the great things that people say about you, you're going to get drunk on your own success. So don't believe your own press reports. And sometimes you just don't need to read them. Sometimes you don't need to, to go looking for the comments. You know, a lot of times preachers will go back and shake people's hand going out the door at the end of a church service because they want to hear people say, that was a great sermon, pastor. That was a great sermon. That You bless me. And, you know, just to get that affirmation and, and you know, guys, don't. If you're going to go back and shake people's hands at the end of a service, pastors and preachers, I'm talking to you, do it because you want to connect with people people don't don't do it because you want to hear what people have to say about you sometimes it's just good to shut off the press reports don't read the social media comments don't look at your youtube channel comments unless you really want to gauge what people are thinking to help develop your content and what you're giving and what you're sharing but be obedient to the lord first and foremost don't be sucked in by the approval or the disapproval of people don't believe your own press reports. Number six. Now, this one really speaks to me probably more than all of them. Number six. When you promote yourself, you take an opportunity away from God to do it for you. Mm, Man, that can be a really fine line for people that are are ambitious. You got to be careful because, you know, Proverbs tells us not to toot our own horn. Proverbs 27 and 2, let another praise you and not your own mouth. Now, there's a fine line there because you do have to promote some things that you're, you are doing. You have to get the word out. You have to market. And, you know, you have to do those things. But at the same time, you can do it prayerfully and humbly. Um, <laughs> if you go to one of my events, you're going to see my product table out in the lobby. And you're going to see a big seven to eight foot pop-up banner with my big face on it okay now there's a reason i do that Um, you have to have something that stops traffic because sometimes at the end of the service when people are leaving church and they're walking out the door and they got their kids and they're trying to get to the car and trying to get to the parking lot and they're just kind of ready to go home you know what i'm saying if they don't see something there that grabs their attention they're going to walk right past your your your, your product and your books and stuff that you're trying to put in people's hands to bless them on an ongoing basis. And it's part of your income. It's part of my income. So I have to have, but you know, so when I've, when I've taught this, when I've taught this in certain churches, when I say this, it's almost like, uh, aren't you the guy with the big, uh, billboard in the hallway? You know? So again, I'm not saying that you can't, I I do everything with excellence. I market, I promote my graphics and my promotional materials and my product is is done with the utmost excellent. I want to give my very best. I do have to bring in income. I do have to be able to pay the bills and, and, and stay in a house and pay a mortgage and buy groceries and send my kids to college. I, I have to do those things, but you don't have to do it in a way that makes it all about you. Get the word out. Be bold about, I say, be like the Avon lady with brass knuckles, knock on that door, let people know. And if you don't know what Avon is, Avon is a, uh, <laughs> it was years ago. And I think it still exists where people would go door to door and sell, a uh, sell, um uh, makeup products and perfumes. And it was a, it was a, a cosmetic business and, you know, kind of like a Mary Kay kind of thing. Um, nowadays, you see it on Instagram, you see influencers and they're selling this product and that makeup and that clothing item and that thing. You know, again, don't make it about yourself, but do it to help others and do it boldly. Be like a four-year-old in a Batman suit. Be confident, but you know, don't toot your own horn. Let other people praise you. My dad taught me that. He said, Tony, you, you, you know, if you do a good job and and your product will speak of itself, your your results will speak of itself. You know, you don't, don't, don't bring attention to yourself. Um, First Corinthians 10, 17 through 18 says, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Let the Lord be your PR. Let the Lord spread the word about you. You know, sometimes I, I encourage you to avoid certain situations that would bring more promotion to yourself and and do it in the do it in the base of relationships when you're talking with somebody don't make it about you make it about them don't talk about yourself as much learn to discipline your ears and discipline your mouth discipline your mouth to remain silent and discipline your ears to open up and listen and ask questions about people and make it about them and find out what they're doing and and do less talking and let the other person share their lives i mean There's a time to promote yourself when I say promoting and marketing what God is doing, getting the word out. But there's also a time when you need to remain silent and let the Lord do it for you. So don't toot your own horn because when you promote yourself, you take an opportunity away from God to do it for you. Number seven, God uses places, faces, and spaces to free us from selfish ambition. Now, I talked about that a little earlier. Let me... let me explain this your assignment where god puts you and this could go back to uh, despising the small places we talked about earlier your assignment is both a field and a furnace god will assign you somewhere where it will be a field where you can produce and plant and grow and tend to it and be productive um, and successful in that, in that assignment, but it's also going to be a furnace, a place that produces you. So your assignment is both a place where you produce and you are being produced. You are being refined. You are in the furnace or the crucible of your assignment. You know, every godly, if it's a godly assignment, it'll be both challenging and difficult, and it will also be a place where you feel the exhilaration of productivity and leadership and ministry and and business or wherever it is, whatever God assigns you to, there's going to be challenges and there's going to be opportunities at the same time. With every great opportunity comes a great challenge in that in that doorframe of opportunity. So you have to remain humble. You know, humility under pressure is the refinery of the soul. If if you can remain humble under pressure, God is truly doing a work in you. And God will use places, faces, and spaces in that godly assignment where it's a field and a furnace to refine you. Okay. The problems and the challenges that you're going through aren't to define you. They're to refine you. Don't let your challenges, you know, be what you think you are. It's a challenge. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. You may be failing in dealing with people and dealing with a place and dealing with a, uh, you know, patience and and you're losing, you feel like you're losing control of the situation. It doesn't mean that's who you are. It means God's trying to get something out of you. He's trying to get something out of you and get something into you. So, what is a what are the places? Well, those are the assignments, the actual location. Moses had a wilderness. Gideon had a winepress. David had a cave. Daniel had to be in the lion's den. Elijah had a poor widow's house. Paul had it a desert. He was in the desert for thirteen years before he really started his public ministry and we're all going to have those wildernesses, those winepresses, those caves, those lions' dens those widow's houses, so to speak, the deserts of our life. We're going to have those places and those seasons in our life that feel like we're in the middle of nowhere. We, we could be in a big city and a big church and a big business. Things could be thriving, but with every godly assignment, there's, it's going to feel like a wilderness in some ways. And then there's the places. Well, we've talked about the places. Then there's the faces. Those are the people that we're going to have to encounter. Joseph had his jealous brothers. Moses had the contentious Korah clan. David had bitter, jealous Saul chasing him down. Esther had to deal with a murderous Haman. Nehemiah had to confront and deal with a jealous and furious Sanbalah. Elijah was being chased and hunted down by an evil queen Jezebel. You're going to have faces, people, difficult people in your life that are going to challenge you. And they're they're going to refine you. And then you're going to have those spaces. Those are the those are the times of waiting. Those are the times of of patience, you know. Between the promise and the reward is, is the valuable asset of patience. You know, the promise is, a, is, wow, thank you, God, for that promise. And the reward comes quickly, but it's that space in between that's the hardest to endure. I call it excruciating waiting. You know, it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. Jacob spent 20 years of his life running from his brother Esau. Moses lived in the desert for 40 years. Israel wandered in the wilderness for 38 years. David was a fugitive for 28 years before becoming a king. And you know, Daniel, one of the greatest characters we read about in the Bible was in Babylon for 72 years through five different dynasties. And we only see just a few of his public accounts of where he spoke under the prophetic unction of the Lord. He didn't have a real busy, you know, uh, we don't have a lot of accounts of his, but, but the times that he spoke publicly, boy, they were powerful and they were seasonal and they were timely and they were used mightily of God. And we learned so much from the life of Daniel. Um, but again, you see how long it took for these guys to come into the realization of their, uh, of their promise You know, it takes a mushroom six months to grow, but it takes an oak tree 60 years. What do you want to be? You want to be a mushroom that gets chopped up in the mower? Or do you want to be something that stands the test of time? You know, it takes a lifetime for a vision to come to pass. And instead of being ambitious, let's grab a hold of the vision mentality, a lifetime vision, like the long haul. Don't think, man, I got to get there quickly. And people that want to grab things quickly, selfish, ambitious, Selfishly ambitious people that want to get things quickly, they're going to run over people. They're going to hurt people. They're going to damage themselves and damage others around them. You've got to take the long haul into consideration. Guys, this is a long vision. It takes a lifetime for a godly vision to come to pass. I believe that I'm going to be the most fruitful in my life when I'm in my 70s and 80s. You got to think long haul, long haul. The holding place is the molding place. When you're in that place of holding, God's doing something in you. God wants you to bear lasting fruit and not spoil before your time. Psalms 121 verse seven says, the Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. To preserve means to to keep, to hold you back, to preserve you, to to hold you back. And it also means to make you last longer. You know when you make preserves, peach preserves down here in Georgia, those peaches have to go through a process. You know, you may think you're ready when you're on that tree, you're a ripe right peach, but then the farmer comes along and he pulls that peach off the tree and just when you think you're about to be, you know, used by God, the the farmer, God, the loving vine dresser he grabs you, and he he holds you in his hand and you 're like yes lord it 's my time it 's my season i 'm ripe i 'm ready to go. He throws you in a basket with a bunch of other peaches and you 're shaking and you 're bumping in that tractor going down the field and you 're like well what 's going on here and you 're bumping into people and you 're bruising people <laughs> you know you 're feeling that 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 shakiness and the rumbling you don't even know what what the farmer's doing and then you you get to the you, you get to the farmhouse and he takes you out and was like, yes, oh, yes. And I get to be used. And then he puts you on a cutting board and he begins to slice you up so that he can de-seed the core seed in you. Maybe it's that it's that issue from the past or that behavior problem or that issue or that 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 difficult place in your life that you need to have dealt with. And now you're laying in pieces on the cutting board. And then he takes you and he he puts you in his loving hands and he puts you in a bowl of pot boil of a pot of boiling water and then he takes you out and he puts you in a transparent jar and pours sugar in you and those are the sweet places the broken places of our life are the sweet places and and then he then he pours the you know the sugar in you and then and then he seals you with pressure you're in this jar now and you're like yes i'm finally ready after all this pain and all this trial and all this difficulty and all this preserving and then you get stuck on a shelf in a dark closet somewhere for a long period of time before you get pulled back out and opened up again and i just went through a real quick Process of preserving. See, when when God is preserving you, it's a process. But see, what's happening is he's causing you to be fruit that lasts. Because if, if you don't go through the preserving process, you'll rot before your time. You'll spoil before your time. And when you are making preserves, you are creating something that could stay in that jar for months and months on end with no expiration date. You see, there's a lot of high brand name brands out there. Like if you're in the pantry and you're in that jar as a preserved peach, okay? And I always think of young people having peach fuzz. Little guys got their little peach fuzz on their chin. You know, they're trying to grow a beard and trying to be adult and trying to be a man and trying to be, you know, uh, you know, legit. But you just got peach fuzz. You need some preserving. You need some time. You need to grow up. You need some age. You need to. Lose some hair and you need to get some hair gray on you. I'm just telling you, you're going to be preserved. God's promises in Psalms 121, he will preserve you and keep you. He will make sure that you go through the process so that you'll bear fruit, so that you won't have an expiration date. Sure, there's a lot of big brand names out there, but they have an expiration date because they're pursuing things out of selfish ambition. But if you want to avoid the trap of selfish ambition, you're going to have to surrender your life to the Lord and let him take you through the process and the patience and the places and faces and spaces so that you'll bear lasting fruit, that that you won't spoil before your time, that you could sit on that shelf and wait. You could sit in the dark and wait because you want to be used for the master's perfect use. When he opens that door and you see the light coming through and you see his hand reaching out to grab you off of that shelf and to take you out of that place of waiting, you will smell and taste as good as the day you were Put through the process because you won't spoil. So don't be discouraged if you're in those difficult times right now. God's preserving you. He's He's creating you to last, that you'll have lasting value, that you won't be a flash in the pan. God doesn't want you to be a flash in the pan. He wants you to to perse- to persevere so that you can be preserved for that special use. So number seven, God uses faces, places, and spaces to free you and to protect you from the dangers and the traps of selfish ambition. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. Well, there you have it. Seven things to help you deal with selfish ambition. Guys, I... I hope that this has encouraged you and given you some context of maybe what you're going through right now. See, God loves you. He wants you to bear fruit. He wants you to last. He doesn't want you to be a flash in the pan. And so your your, your circumstances and your situations that you're going through, God's using those to preserve you so that you'll last, that you'll, you'll bear fruit that lasts, that you won't have an expiration date. And I hope you'll slow down long enough to, to, to just take a big drink of honest tea and say, God, help me to avoid the path of fast track, selfish ambition use and do whatever you want to do in my life. I surrender to you, God, so that I'll fulfill my destiny and fulfill the assignment that you've put on my life. Guys, if this has blessed you and encouraged you right where you are, think of one or two people that need to hear this. Share it with them. Subscribe to this podcast. Encourage your friends to subscribe to this podcast and and make sure that you leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking. You can put as many stars on there as you want to, but write us a review and let us know what you think. This helps those algorithms work in our favor and gets more people to discover how to have peace and joy in their life and point more lives to Jesus. So I'm going to be coming back next week with another powerful podcast that's going to help you discover that. And until next time, we'll see you.